1: Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debates. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today, my guest on Off the Shelf is Bill Gormley. Bill is the president of the Gormley Group. But he is also the chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. Uh, Bill, welcome to the show. And I guess it's Happy New Year too. I think this is your first time. Yeah, you know, <laughs> usually right. it's have
0: almost, you on a couple it's times almost, a year. So the spring too. Maybe it's a seasonal thing,
1: right? Yeah, that's right. So uh, just like baseball. Oh, there is no baseball this no year. No, ah, that's baseball. right. So, yeah, you're out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're out. <laughs> So well, anyway, I thought uh, in today's show we'd talk about um, you know some some uh, key decision by GSA with regard to services MAC, the impact inflation and some other trends in the MS program. So, uh, so first of all, let's 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 um, I guess um, if it was a fall, we'd say let's tackle uh, services MAC um, and you know they. Uh, yeah, at our coalition meeting a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, they announced um, a decision to, to create two separate contracts, you know, one with other than small and then a small business set aside contract. And then there would be sort of subcategories like women-owned set aside contracts and, uh, service save veteran-owned or what, you know, just down through the categories and small disadvantaged businesses in particular, right. um, so that's a big, big decision by GSA. Um, your reaction to it?
0: Yeah, I think the uh, I think GSA had a lot of – well, first of all, I'll give them credit for putting it out for comment <laughs> and actually yeah. Yeah, and, and receiving the comments. I think in, in the past, there's – not on this procurement, on other procurements, I think it was felt like in, industry comments weren't listened to. And I think on, in this one, Roger, that, that GSA was uh, – very much uh, sincere about, hey, we, we want to get your feedback. And I think that with the combination of the uh, administration's um, emphasis on the wanting to increase small business participation, I think like through 2025 or something, I forgot what the percentage is, but it's pretty, pretty significant for small businesses that, that I think the way that GSA now has um, – has shown that by splitting up the uh, the procurement into sort of two, one for small business, to your, to your point, and having a, having those categories there, and that allows the agencies to to really uh, shop towards meeting their socioeconomic goals as well as getting their requirements fulfilled. So I think it, it, I think it's really a, a boost for program, and it mirrors some of the success that OASIS had. I think some of the questions still, is, on any procurement, you have questions. So it's not being critical. Of it's course. Just, it's a procurement. And so some people are going to wonder is, is it going to, is the quality, and without being offensive to anybody, going to be diluted by having, you know, come on, come all type thing versus a more technical review. So that that's to be, I guess, decided yet. And uh, whether it'll be, uh, you know, how, how will the onboard and off ramp, on ramp go as far as when the companies, uh, Mature during the course of, I guess there'll be a five-year, a five-year option, I assume. So yeah, those are things to still be looking at and and commenting on. And um, but you know, GSA at least made that, I I think, was a sea change based on where they were headed. Yeah, I think it was the right, right decision on their part.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. To your point, Bill, it does mirror the Oasis uh, successful model that they've had in place now. Um, You know, they're in the second option option period, and I that the period of performance for that is through uh, 2024. So they are definitely on time in terms of acquisition planning. Um, So, and I think it does provide some acquisition streamlining, both for customer agencies and for contractors utilizing it, makes it easier to make business decisions or acquisitions decisions, especially when you want to set aside requirements. And it also, I think for companies, and I think one of the things GSA partly reacted to at least from what we heard is you know the rules around recertification at the task order level um that you know with a where you set aside an IDIQ multiple award and so you have to be a a particular status to actually be eligible for award then at the task order level you don't have to ask for recertification which i think is a big you know that's a big streamlining step and a And a a uncomplicating, sort of simplifying approach that um, uh, I think GSA saw that as well. So kudos to GSA in making that decision. And to your point, then to your other point, uh, big point is there are still many questions and things to be decided. And I and I and I'll finish by just sort of reflecting. You made the point that GSA is listening, and I think. You know what we'll see over the next few months is GSA continuing to listen, put out, putting out their thoughts about a draft statement of work. Further, they've already done that uh, earlier. I mean, towards the end of last year, you know, evaluation criteria plans about onboarding, offboarding, continuous open seasons, all that. You know, continuing discussion on those things are are to be uh, are, are to move forward. And I think again, GSA is to be commended for, for listening and, and engaging and, you know, uh, and sort of taking to heart the comments and, you know, it's not always going to be, we agree, but you know, the important thing is that you listen and you learn from it. So, so I think we've covered services, Mac, yeah, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we, you mentioned uh, acquisition streamlining. So hopefully before we get done the show, maybe we can come back to that. And then we'll yes, to we will. Topics at first time.
1: No. Oh, absolutely! I know that's 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 one of your favorite topics. So, but but you know, a topic that is uh, top of mind right now for lots and lots of companies, um, you know, doing business with federal government is inflation and the impact inflation on their government contracts. And um, you know, you don't have to look any further than the multiple award schedule program to see how that's playing out. And I guess from from your perspective, what are you seeing and hearing from companies and and from GSA?
0: Well, you know, I think by by nature, the government—I'm uh, not saying it's wrong. But by nature, when the government is is confronted by industry looking for a price increase, there's some some sort of hesitancy of validation. Uh, I think in in this case here, and we're, you know we we have a lot of clients that are. <laughs> In some cases, they're paying more, for the, paying more for the materials than they are for the selling. I mean, you know it's it a privilege the to have a government <laughs> contract. Right? Right,
1: right. Right, right. Right, right.
0: And so, and I understand there's, you know, you, you as well, and having been illegal at GSA for a number of years, is, you know, they have to go through a process. But this is really being felt, you know, and, and I was trying to have an analogy. This is going back in time probably for some of the people listening to it, But I remember when we were, when I was at GSA, we were confronted with Y2K, and, and that that was that was a buildup to, to like what are we going to do and how are we going to change the prices under the schedules program and it wasn't only how are we going to change them but how are, how are we going to come back to what the prices were when we find out on January 2nd that the elevators do go up and down the planes didn't crash and you can, you can withdraw your money from the ATM so we actually did that so I hope in this case the on the on-ramp where we had time before to be fair, the on-ramp here was, was pretty short. In other words, it's spiked. And while people could say it's been building, but it's spiked now. And um, and it, and the companies are feeling it. You know, the State of the Union, the president was talking about small businesses and how we want to do everything to help them and help them grow. You know, this is really almost putting a lid on small businesses here because they they, they are getting impacted immediately. And there's, there's no relief at all so far from GSA. Yeah, I think that's part of the uh, part of the issue with 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 the schedule holders right now, Roger. I mean, they're 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 getting order in orders in, and they're you know, they want to fulfill you know the requirements of the contract, but you know it's costing them a lot of money. Some of them is costing them a significant amount of money, particularly on the product side.
1: Yeah, Bill, we're up on the break, and when we come back, we'll continue to talk about the inflation uh, challenge that we're all facing, in the you know in the context of the government contracts and a little bit about um, where GSA is and, and tackling it and uh, also just maybe amplify a little bit about what we're seeing from okay. the companies in terms of the, you know, the financial challenges they are facing. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He is the president of Gormley Group, chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He's the president of Gormley Group, a chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. Uh, and when we took the break, we were talking about inflation. And, uh, you know, I think we need to continue to focus on that before we turn to some other trends we're seeing in the multiple award schedule program. Because, you know, what what, what I hear from companies is literally, you know, l- losing uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars on a weekly basis given that you know the the price increases that they're seeing um, across the board uh, especially in products as you mentioned at the end of the last segment and um, you know and I know GSA has um, you know expressed, um, you know, concern about it and is, I, I guess, working on some policy changes. And they have met with the uh, with the Coalition for Government Procurement in particular on the issue, which we appreciate it. Um, just uh, you you worked in GSA. Just what, what do you think's going on inside there in terms of trying to get this, you know, any kind of flexibilities or streamlining process? And it's not just doing that, too. Right. It's rolling it out to all the contracting officers.
0: Yeah. So, and, that, and that's that's a key point, because we're finding out a lot of policy has been implemented outside of the inflation side, and it hasn't really permeated, you know, throughout the, the contracting organization. So this one in particular, you know, I think the policy, you know, the government is, first of all, it's going to affect every contractor that has FOB destination. In other words, gas prices right there right. are going to be eating in any profitability, for all the contractors, regardless of their size, but particularly for small businesses, and I think GSA could, has the authority to go ahead and, and put some in, intern, interim uh, ways to adjust inflation, and for the, for the EPA side, economic price adjustments. You know, I think looking at you know not limiting not limiting them now from a time period. And in some cases where the contractor, in fairness, can justify where they've been severely hit on increases, it should be they should be able to submit to the contracting officer, and have a discussion um, and then move forward with a decision. I mean, it, it has to, it, you know, you, to have a partnership, it has to go both ways here. And I think it's clear, you know, you just you just can't be on earth now to understand there's not inflation. So I think everybody knows about it. So it's not as though someone's coming for the first time and making you aware of it. So I think, I wish you just could just just keep your foot on the accelerator to get this out quicker than, than what it appears to have been so far, Roger.
1: Yeah. I think the big challenge that, that, that they have is, is to your, is rolling it out to the contracting workforce. Right. And, you know, especially as, and I, you know, this may not be popular, but I mean, and I acknowledge, you know, the, you know, we've been on remote work and virtual work and, you know, we and in reality is it's still going to be a hybrid. Even when people come back to the office, there's going to be more work from home as part of the natural sort of rhythm of things in all likelihood. But when you have everybody working from home and you're trying to roll out a new policy and answer questions about it and bring people together, I think it's much more effective to try to do that, like in a real in a classroom setting. Right. Or in person where you can actually, you know, and and face-to-face, you can, you know, share the urgency around something like this and the importance of the policy for the industrial base and for, you know, frankly, the Biden administration, one of their top priorities in the small business world is supporting small disadvantaged businesses. Well, this is like, this is like probably right now, the number one way you can help small disadvantaged businesses is to address the inflation issue and the quandary where real life, company has a widget, they're selling it for $300 on the schedule, and then they get a you know 20% price increase, real life. So it's another, um, was $60 to the price, and they can't sell it at a loss. They're literally, for each one of those things, their acquisition cost has gone up 20%, and they'll be potentially losing money on each transaction.
0: Yeah, and, but we've had, we've had contracting officers tell us, hey, we can't go above 10%, it's policy. Or you've already had an EPA eight months ago, I can't do it again for four more months. I mean, so it's like you can't hold your breath that long, you know. And right and, you know, when you get into the training side of this, you know, just as a as a small business here, you know, we recently hired two people and we've tried we've done we've had virtual conversations and training and all that stuff, but it got to the point where it just it's it's difficult so we, we actually sitting outside my door right here we have two people have, i brought in four people and they're training in a client in a room right now i mean it's it's back right. to the traditional way of, of having q a and putting people to to address things and, I, and it's a tremendous difference having in personal training versus virtual I mean i know there's people are going to swear by virtual and that's that's fine in, um, in a lot of cases but i think in it it still gets back to the the face-to-face and the personal interactions and the questions and so forth. So I think that, I think, I hope GSA gets to that sooner than later as well. I mean, they they got a lot on their plate, (laughs) but you know what, They, they got a lot of people over there too. So hopefully they can sparse this out and, I know the administrator likes what's her term demo versus memo. So maybe, maybe somebody can figure that out and how ha- to make something happen quicker. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, right. And reflecting in the state of the union, the president talked about getting back to back to work, right? Back to the <laughs> office. He specifically mentioned that. And, and, and here again, I don't think it's just your thoughts. It's not a zero sum game. It's not all virtual right. versus all in the office. It's like, well, how do you find the right mix? Because right. they both have their strengths they both have their weaknesses, right. And yeah. from a um, individual employee perspective and and the management challenge that we face now, I think um, moving forward is how do you find that right balance, you know, for the organization and then also for the individual It's going to be interesting yeah. to watch it all play out. But, yeah. but, but here for, on this issue, there's definitely, you know, it would, an all hands meeting, to the extent you can do it to to walk through the policy and you did mention like you you know how many you know the limitation on number of you know increases you can get during a period and then the limitation on 10 percent and those things i gsa did commit to working on policy adjustments to try to you know break down those barriers and, and and address that and provide greater flexibility so we'll see where that goes but then again it's been a been a couple of weeks a couple almost weeks, already. Right. Yeah. Since we've, since, since, you know, that at the time we're taping the show.
0: So. I think this, since, since this is not just doesn't affect GSA, it affects all government contracting, right. Where they're, where they're being in where contractors being impacted. I think this is where it wouldn't, it would be nice if the administration had you know, the OFPP person, you know, confirmed as far as the administrator. So I think that that would be a central person to that could really be the spokesperson for, inflation and helping act the acquisition community, you know, make some make some earlier decision-making processes than they traditionally done.
1: Right. it's a bully pulpit. And I just go back to Dan Gordon when he was the OFP bin administrator and he launched the Mythbusters, you know, memos and stuff yeah. and all that. And just using the bully pulpit to try to yeah. effectuate um, policy change that it was okay to talk to companies. So, and, I mean, I think there's, you know, that to your point, you know, that that bully pulpit is something that uh, could be playing a big role right now as well. So, sure. um, yeah. So we have, geez, we spent a lot of time on inflation. Um, so so we only got about a minute left in the segment, Bill. So. um you know, the, we, we're going to start talking about some other trends in the MS program. Is there one you could cover or, you know, just real quickly? In or, a minute? In a minute? Yeah, that not minute. in a minute. Yeah, it's the GSA schedules program. Maybe, you know, it's not a uh, – there's not enough time. So why don't we just take the break and we come back and we get started and we'll talk about some of the other key trends we're seeing in the MS program with regard to the okay. – you know, the handling of offers and the operation of the program. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He is the president of Gormley Group, chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He's the chairman of the Coalition for Government Procurement. He's also the president of the Gormley Group. um, And... Yeah, last segment, we talked a lot about uh, inflation in the context of the multiple ward schedule program, but it's a challenge across all government contracts. Um, this segment, I think we're going to start focusing on some other trends in the MAS program, the management and the operation operations of the MAS program. And Bill, there's lots of different trends. So I'm going to let you as the guest <laughs> choose which one you want to talk about first.
0: <laughs> Teeing me up, all right, Waldron.
1: Right, right. And this isn't, I mean, I guess we could say the, you know, this isn't in the order of importance. They're all
0: equally important. Yeah, they're all right? important. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so. We, we can do that. Well, I guess a couple of things. One is, you know, we have the, uh, we talked pricing already. So back off that. I think we're, you know, we talked about streamlining and you know, I'm talking about trends here too, a little bit, but you know, we're, you know, what we're, what we're seeing is that, you know, it's taking longer to get awards out. And that's only not only a word of contracts, but modifications, Roger. And I think some of that is c- from it's clear in talking to some of the contracting folks that they just haven't received the training that we talked about earlier. That's necessary. I mean, they, they may have read the, the policy, but reading it and then implementing it, you know, is are two different things. And so we're. Yeah, you know, we're seeing that, and first off, it's good they're hiring people. <laughs> okay? Yep, yep. And, it, and the next step is you know to, to get them trained and get the experience and have the guidance. And having said that, you know it seems like the uh, that the IG is taking more of a role, I and mean, we've we've had inter- interfaces with some of them in in, in negotiations, which I think is. That not really the ID's role, and I don't want to go any deeper in that. But I mean, they think they're they having a high influence on on basically telling the contracting uh, personnel, you know, what discount they should be going towards. I think that's I think that's the contracting. I don't think that's the contracting officer's uh, responsibility. But when once that once that number's out there, then the contracting officer feels compelled to go for it. So there's that. I think there's got to be a, I think we got to get back in balance here a little bit as far as that, that, that area of oversight. I think there's becoming way too much oversight and meaning that the contracting officer is conceding to whatever's being, whatever, whatever the thought is in the air and they're, they're shooting for that as an objective instead of really listening to, to the, the offer side as well. So, and then some of the market research, the, the calc tool GSA is using is the data is, is, clearly way out of date. And so the, you know, when GSA contract officers are using that as a resource, they're not, they're supposed to be putting information into that database that keeps it current. And it's clearly, it's like anything else. If you don't, if you don't maintain it, then the accuracy goes away real quickly or the value of it. And, but that COs are falling back on old data. and, And we just talked about inflation. So you combine with inflation jumping on top. It's uh, it's it's quite challenging and it prolongs the negotiation quite a bit. I'll put it that way.
1: So, is, is GSA? Do you think one of the things they should look at then is like whether you know the degree to which contract and officers are loading the information they're supposed to load in the in the calc tool? It's not the first time I've heard observations about the calc tool and if, and whether or not the data is. You know, re- accurately reflects the you know the broad spectrum of say services offered under the schedules from a from a pricing perspective. Is that? Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I think it's just it's one more. I think GSA from a contracting having been a contracting officer myself years ago. I mean, you, you always look to hey, we, yeah, you want to get things awarded. That's kind of why you're there, um, awarded or no awarded. But anyway, make a decision, right? And I think now there's there's so much administrative work in addition to actually getting the contract awarded up, up to that point that it's really bogging down the, um, you know, you know, my pet peeve is streamlining. So th- th- there is, you know, there, I, I don't see streamlining. I, I just, I just, I, 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 take offense to it when people start talking, Oh, we're going to streamline this. And it's like, I'd like to see the example of how it's going to be streamlined, even with all the systems, the systems. Now there's been so many system changes, And we'll just say they were all made for the right reason. But the system changes now are are ahead of the knowledge of the contracting officer. And that's how many changes have been made. And so there's that, you know, information overload or knowledge overload that the CEO has to have other than, you know, negotiating and having a good procurement. And so, you know, you're really putting a lot on the contracting officer now, Roger. I mean, I'm going to bail anybody out or, or accuse anybody. It's just a lot of information going back and forth. And I think there's, there hasn't been really a, uh, we're not seeing a way that GSA can conduct uniform training and oversight that really puts the responsibility on the part of the contracting officer, give the contracting officer their full responsibility back and, and just back off some of this oversight and you know let them do their job.
1: Well I, th- well, I think there's a recurring theme I'm hearing sort of, and that's like the care and feeding. of the acquisition workforce and that, um, their investments in training and, um, yeah, just because there is a big difference between reading the regs and, and being taught about the regs versus the actual application of a reg, um, to a fact pattern or to an offer and what you're supposed to do or not do. And, um, you know, part of that is experiential, right? Part of it is, you know, learning from others. Um, but, you know, when I think when, you know, so so you sort of, sounds to me like you're calling, calling for sort of an overall training strategy, you know, for GSA that would, um, you know, enhance the, you know, the development of the contracting workforce. Because at the end of the day, the you, know, you are only as good as just, you know, you, you, the investments you make in your people, right?
0: Yeah, and I think it, it you know, I not, not, you know, hopefully GSA doesn't take offense to of this because it's 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 feedback when people say I want feedback. It's you know when right. you take a survey from something we order online and you have to do the service or not, you just like I mean, you just tell them like it is, and then they have it. So this is just this is this is uh, you know information that we have you know, experience on, and we'd like to to really help out the contracting officer by help help you know freeing them up and letting getting them back to actually negotiating. You know, some people you know, won't even uh, won't even talk by phone anymore. I mean, that by, by just by virtue, why do you have a telephone? <laughs> so, I mean, so I think it's got that the work at home and the work outside the office is it has its place. But I think it's, you know, over the past two years, I think it's it's really. Allowed decisions to be made and really slower in some cases. Um, and I hopefully we can get back on track or hopefully we're coming out of COVID and get back on track. I think you're going to hopefully do something in the spring with your conference in a hybrid or something. So that that'll be a, a good opportunity. But another area just to get off that for a bit is the financial reviews. I mean, GSA is putting an increased emphasis on doing financial reviews and even on contracts that are being options are being renewed or, you know, new offers where someone's had no financial problems at all. They're, in some cases, publicly traded Fortune 500, you got your K1s, you get everything out there, and the contracting officers still require that 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 the financial review occur the 527 form, and it's just not why. I mean, I know we years ago we did away with it for for you know those those sorts of companies, but now it's it's like every single one. So why add another spoke to the wheel? I mean, it's just, it just you know, it gets back to that streamlining. So I think there's a lot of opportunity here. To actually reduce reduce some of the processes that are going on here, and 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 it, it's I think some people think that view that is taking away the risk or something or reducing the risk, but it's a contract cost responsibility. So I mean they'll they'll make they'll make it ultimately they'll make a good decision. So I think they got to free this up a little bit.
1: Yeah, this isn't I mean, and I, I you know, these are these are observations that we see as people who work there for twenty years and want to see you know, we continue to grow and succeed. And I think, you know, I think the pandemic, uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, put everybody offline, right. Or, or, or basically, um, you know, slowed the development, I think of the workforce, just by virtue of being out of the office um, all the time. And again, you know, that's not a zero sum yeah. game. It's like, no. you know, we got, but right. right. So, but we're up on the break bill. When we come back, I think we'll, um, Continue our discussion of trends in the multi-board schedule program and perhaps talk a bit about uh, some more about streamlining, one of your favorite topics. (laughs) Uh, My guest today is Bill Gormley. He's president of the Gormley Group and chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Waldron. You're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He's chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. He's also president of the Gormley Group, and we're talking trends in the multiple ward schedule program. And I um, know we're going to talk about streamlining. Um, first, I want to ask you just, you know, one of the things that um, that really gets focused on in the context of streamlining is processing time for, modifications and that sort of thing it offers and the schedules offers are one thing, but it, it, it seems to me just looking at the data that GSA provides to industry because you know, they're, they're to their credit, they're very good about sharing what they're, you know, what they're measuring and, and what they see. Uh, one of the areas where I think they could refine the data is in the processing of mods and categorizing things between purely administrative modifications and the time it takes to get those done. Which is, I think, probably actually really good, you know, versus um, much more substantive modifications where you're dealing with adding new product and pricing and that sort of thing, which is a completely different type of mod, right? And so, what are if you if you refine the data and looked at the time for for each of those two categories, you might get a better sense of where there are bottlenecks and opportunities to make it more efficient. And again. Like in the context of inflation, you identify that you could see like well, this is what we need to focus on to actually get pricing more reflective of the market. Your right. thoughts on that?
0: Well, I think you know GSA is looking at you know a lot of people are talking about you know artificial intelligence, and I've always wondered how you know how is that going to work for acquisition. But I will say you know you bring up cycle cycle times. I think on the particularly on the modification process, Roger. Um, if you have someone who's trying to delete an item or service because they no longer provide it and it has to go through, you know, in some cases months in, internally to, to, for the CEO to approve it, I think that that is a, you know, artificial intelligence for some reason, it, it's subliminally, I think they're like, it's smarter, but artificial intelligence could handle a deletion. Right. right. <laughs> I don't think the CEO could need, would really need to have this, it'd be in a file. But it would show show when the process occurred and, it, and you move on and
1: it, it, it would be it'd hopefully be in, instantaneous you it. For, uh, yeah. for the for the contractor but yeah. more just as importantly or more importantly for the customer because the know they can exactly. they, they, yeah, they, can't, exactly. they they can't exactly. buy that thing anymore because it right. doesn't they're not making it. They've can yeah. to do a new model or whatever.
0: So, and right. even when there's there's price decreases, some contracting officers want to negotiate that. I mean, it's a, we are when you a price decrease, what's there to negotiate. So, I mean, those could be automatic. I mean, and if the contracting officer has time, there should be a way to go back and see what was artificially accepted. I mean, that that type of thing. So, I mean, those are those are some ideas on, and I'm sure GSA is ahead of us on, ahead of us on this. Let's just leave it that way. But well, I
1: think the administrator is actually very interested in how do you apply technology to yeah, these type well, here, of things. So.
0: Yeah, these are a couple of quick ones right here. You know, right. and, and to your point on the substantive side of uh, awarding a contract or negotiating price or something like that, you know, you need you need human intervention basically in that or you're some some aspect of it anyway. But on these other ones, this is pure to your point, pure administrative. You know, address change, phone number change, person change, or something. It just it should be artificially. You know, AI should be able to handle that.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, right. so,
0: I mean, I'm going to stop, or I can do this forever. So. Yeah.
1: We okay. Get, well. Like,
0: can we move on to like TDR or something?
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be great. TDR,
0: yeah. the yeah. Right. So transactional data requirements TDR. I guess that's why they call it TDR. Right. <laughs> is. is uh, you know, I give uh, GSA credit. They ran their pilot for a few years. Uh, Jeff Kosis came out with his findings, um was that, four or five months ago, maybe? Yeah. Like, yep. uh, chief acquisition executive um, and said, hey, we're, we're going to move forward with this throughout the whole schedules program. So I think that was good news. Uh, and really for all sides, because it cuts down a lot on what GSA I'm talking about streamlining. This would move, up, this would be another step towards streamlining. We'll put this in that side of it. Um, But we're not hearing any real action being taken on that, and that's that's I I know Jeff's kind of put it out there that he wants it to happen this year. So hopefully, you know, we're you know we're a quarter into the year. So I don't know if we're going to count a year or or your Well, right
1: we're in we're ha- getting towards halfway of the this the fiscal year, right? That's right. So, that's yeah, right. Yeah.
0: But either way. You know, it'd be nice for GSA to start putting out or rolling out their plan for TDR. Because, yeah, you, you know, a lot of companies are looking at this and would be impacted, and, and it's just not a matter of putting it out there by GSA, and it's going to happen. They have to prepare for this internally, and I think it would be good. to. I will give GSA credit when they, uh, on a separate matter, but somewhat similar, when they did the, combi- you know, combining all the schedules, they, they, they laid it out in three phases, and they, they've kept, yeah, they've, Done phase one and phase two. They're on they're moving towards ending the phase three, which will complete the consolidation of the Skittles program. So they did a good job in communicating that, but we're not we're not seeing any communication on this at all at this point. And that's that's becoming somewhat disturbing because companies are waiting to to see you know how DSA wants to roll this out if it's if it's going to be in a certain fashion or not. They want to be ready so they can they can consider it. Not saying everybody's going to do it. They probably won't, but for those who who are interested, it should be available. And hopefully, Jeff Jeff's uh, listening to this, or someone listening to it over there, who can, can can maybe take a peek at it and see where they are.
1: Yeah, I mean the the important first step is to um to like announce a schedule to set expectations for companies contractors so they can start thinking about you know what it means to them. you know more they can focus their attention on it and figure out from a business operation perspectives how would they go about complying with it you know if they choose to do it what are the pluses and minuses for their business operations all those kind of things are obviously going to be some of that stuff anyway but you need a timeline to, to to create that sort of you know to push you know companies to think about implementing implementation because they're not going to spend the money to do all of it until they know yeah it's really going to happen kind of thing right yeah so you yeah. taught me that i think you taught me that bill <laughs> i'm not sure so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know about that <laughs> so um you know i think one of the last thing we got about a minute and a half left or so Um, I wanted to ask you about labor qualifications because I know that's an area, I think, again, the president talked about in the the State of Union, if I recall, like you're creating opportunities for folks, you know, even in, you know, um, who don't necessarily have college degrees as well, if I recall from the speech. And here's an area, you know, the IT portion of the schedule, you're very focused on labor qualifications and degrees. And we know, like, there's lots of veterans who are qualified, if not more qualified than a lot of folks who have degrees. Uh, you know, and I yeah. work for government contractors, and you're putting the company, when you're insisting on, you know, degrees, uh, first of all, it's inconsistent with the FAR uh, you know, with regard to, you know, the re- IT contracts, and, you know, the, there's a prohibition absence determination. By contracting officer, in this case, I would say it would be the higher level schedule will have to make that determination and assistance on, you know, bachelor's degrees and, and that sort of thing. And I think, again, when we start the administration's priorities of supporting small disadvantaged businesses and supporting veterans, you know, this is a prime area where, you know, there, there should be greater flexibility because um, those folks out. are... are you know, often much more qualified and capable than the people who've gone off to college, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. Without giving without getting into family. My grandkids know more about some of the stuff than I do. So I think that's you know, just based on their iPhone and iPads. But the getting back to that, I think the whole key here, the schedules program is supposed to be around the government taking advantage of commercial experience opportunities and, and talent and, and quality and, and new new products and so forth and i think here is a clear example of where from an industry standpoint industries identified you know resources where they have backgrounds and it could be if you use that use the term earlier experiential where people have experience in, in certain and in, in it areas that far exceed what you're going to learn in college anyway um, but they don't have a degree or they graduated with a, you know, GED. They go into military, the military trains them inside on the military. And so they have, they don't have, quote, the college degree. So I don't, some contracting officers have a very narrow lens on this, Roger. And it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, the contractor is not going to put someone in to do a job that can't fulfill it. And, the, and they'll have an they'll, they'll have a upset, upset uh, client or customer. And the GSA, unfortunately, recently is starting to really push back on people who don't have college degrees, particularly in the IT area. I think that's hopefully, you know, some folks who are listening here today can, can maybe take that message back to GSA internally and say, hey, let's look at this. And this is the real world. This is what industry, they hire these people and based on their experiential learning and, and not the traditional college evaluation which does not necessarily mean that, that, that you're going to be the brightest star walking out with that with the hat on your head so right. <laughs> so I think that's uh, it's a good point and that definitely is hurting the government now and getting quality people under contract and again I know we've harped on small business but this really impacts you know the small businesses and particularly better known businesses as well for the IT area
1: right right it seems I mean you know just the the bottom line too is it's it uh, seems to me inconsistent with, with where the Biden administration is heading. It's inconsistent with supporting small disadvantaged businesses. It's inconsistent with supporting veterans. And when we think about the country as a whole and our government, right, we want to tap into and leverage the talents right. of all our citizens, right? Exactly. At the end exactly. of the day, right? Yep. We're all yep. we're all on the same team here, right? So. <laughs> Um, I think that hopefully it's something GSA takes a look at uh, moving Um, forward. And on that note, Bill, I I, want to thank you for being on the show. My guest today has been Bill Gormley. He is the president of the Gormley Group and chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.